Blood Brothers Podcast, a Five Pillars Production. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, dear brothers, sisters, friends, and the foes out there. And welcome to another episode of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your host, Dili Hussein, and my co host, Aki Hussein. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Before I introduce today's very special guest who has visited for the second time, I want to remind all our avid podcast listeners that you can find this show on all the major audio platforms Spotify, Google, Apple, and all the rest. And if you're tuning in via YouTube, please remember to click subscribe, like this video, leave a comment, and share away. Today's guest, as I've already mentioned, is appearing for the second time. It's been nearly exactly two years since she last came on. Mm. She describes herself as a natural nurse in a toxic world. She was formerly a NHS nurse. I'm a registered nurse. A I regist- was a registered nurse. You was a registered years, but I'm still a nurse. Yes. I'm not registered. And she is <laughs> some- she is someone who is regarded as part of the truth movement. Um, that's something we can explore today in the podcast, and it's none other than the esteemed Kate Shamarani. Thank you, and thank you very much for having me on. Good it's, to have you back. It's a great honour to come and here. And it's nice to have you in person. Before you know, the, the first podcast was with myself virtually, uh, because we were made to be locked down, weren't we, Kate? Well, I wasn't. You might have been. Oh dear, okay. <laughs> so, so does that mean you were gallivanting around? I wasn't gallivanting, but um, it was an unlawful lock-up. So if you believe that being locked in your home is going to stop anything, Mm -hmm. um, do we not get oxygen in our our homes? Mm -hmm. If you believe that that's going to stop anything, and for those poor people that died without their loved ones around them, um, shocking. So no, I was never locked up, apart from by the Met for 32 hours. And how was that? Well, um, that was a lot of post protest, right? <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I was picked up outside Parliament. I was actually doing an interview, and I think it was with Al Jazeera. Okay, wow. And I think it was MO6 who picked me up. That was a few days after the rally in Trafalgar Square. And I was taken into custody for 32 hours. They extended it, and they entered my home with my keys with an unsigned warrant. Um, but it was, you know, I've been all over the world uh, when I you went have. to British Airways. Yeah, have. I just, have. Just, just, just very quickly, I mean, the Kate Shamarani that we had on two years ago is very different to the Kate Shamarani in terms of exposure and public profile. You've become, at the very least, part of whether you want to call it the anti-vax movement or the truth movement, whatever you want to call it. You were, you were on my TV screen and you were on major documentaries and you were seen as a figurehead alongside many others, um, namely um, David Icke was also mentioned in that, as it was uh, Jeremy Corbyn's brother, who you shared a, a platform and a stage with, right? Well, I did. Yes. So your name has blown up for the last two years. So what, I guess what today's podcast is about, Kate, is the conversation you had with Aki two years ago. Mm-hmm. You made some major predictions about what the weeks, months, years ahead would look like. And I want to just revisit some of those themes. Shall we kick off with the quarantine and lockdown? You said you weren't locked down. Well, sh- well, first of all, I don't make predictions. I'm not a prophet. Okay. I'm just a woman. I'm a child of God. So <clears throat> based on the <laughs> evidence that I was reading, uh, being locked down, it's unlawful. Um, to, to turn around, you, look, let's look at the phrase, first of all, lockdown. Where is that phrase used? It's used in prison, prisons. Prison, yeah. So they were imprisoning you. For, for what? For a virus that was never, ever purified or isolated. Um, 
even using all of the, um, you know, freedom of information of who died of COVID-19 and were even told died after testing, after testing, if you died within 28 days of a positive test, no matter what you died of, heart attack, lung disease, suicide. It was registered as a death. It was registered. The, the means to test those people was a PCR, which is a non-diagnostic tool, a lateral flow. So this was all being done to the people and and telling you to stay indoors and what 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 were the effects of that what were the effects of that that unlawful lockup i'm not going to say lockdown lockup um we saw suicides exponentially increase we saw people um presenting for um illness with a much more advanced disease because they'd shut down the diagnostic clinics we saw people not being able to access treatment chemotherapy where they're already going through their treatments so we saw the nhs get so behind with treatments that they can't catch up because they don't have the resources so what was it for what was it all for and now they're starting to tell us that those that were diagnosed they've got the figures wrong all over the world um so uh, you know that whole lock down it's a prison term are you frustrated at those who are compliant with the lockdown as in the lay people, the millions of people who, quite frankly, just wanted to preserve their life and their health and they saw they followed the government's order not to break law and they didn't, and probably they didn't have the fortitude to resort to civil disobedience or that they just thought this was the safest, bestest thing to do because we're being told by the authorities. Yeah, to the general so. public who rely on receiving information, uh, especially at something at this scale, a national slash international scale, most people... Most people. Can. Most people, the overwhelming majority, receive information and then basically take take instructions. Are you frustrated at them? Well, you've asked me about five questions. Well, there. I know you're so going to answer, go answer all ten. So the first one is, it's not for me to be frustrated with people. Um, it's really not. I actually feel sorry for people who are so terrified of death that they will wear a dirty piece of cloth across their face, uh, which even the um, the blue masks you see people wear, and I worked in theatres, they're splash guards. We wore them to stop us spitting maybe into a wound or something squirting up over our faces. It doesn't stop anything. Viral particles are so small, they go through the fibres anyway. So to be so afraid, so afraid, that you wear a dirty cloth over your mouth and you don't see your loved ones even when they're dying, I actually pity people that are so afraid of death. Because there's two things we can absolutely guarantee in life, and it's death and taxes. Mm -hmm. So I'm sad that they don't know God and trust that we, only God knows the hour and the day of our death. Mm -hmm. So it's not for me to be frustrated for them. It's for me to, to really just to accept. And that's their journey, not mine. So just, just to like kind of come in there, and, and I appreciate that response. So from an Islamic point of view, um, one would say you're absolutely right. God only exclusively has that knowledge of when you're going to die. You can neither delay it, nor can you hasten it. That's right. But there is also a concept in Islam, which I'm very sure exists in the, our, our, the other Abrahamic faiths, that you don't necessarily search for that to happen. You, don't, you, you try to prevent that from happening. You don't do things... Free will. Yeah. So one would counter to that, Kate, without, okay, we, we accept that, that God knows when we're going to pass and the cause of death. Yeah, mm -hmm. the preservation of life is, yeah. is equally, is equally yeah. really important. Mm -hmm. so, it is. So, so your next point, um, to, well, going, I've forgotten all the questions you asked me, but going on from that, God does indeed give us free will. So if one were to um, accept that there is something that would make us sick, Mm -hmm. Then we also, when, when God put us inside our mothers, he gave us everything we need here. 
He gave us every seed-bearing fruit and the herbs. So you are what you eat. Today's food becomes tomorrow's sales and no amount of exercise or pharmaceutical drugs are an offset for a poor diet. Mm -hmm. So if one was thinking about one's health, then why do, did I see cues for McDonald's around the corner? And why are people still eating sugar when sugar switches off your immunity for four hours? And why did the sales of alcohol go through the roof when we know that alcohol-related diseases are huge? It's one of the highest causes. And we're seeing teenagers with liver damage. So why do we see cigarettes as well? And I'm not talking about the tobacco that's organic that has actually been proven to be good for you if you smoked four cigarellos a day organic tobacco i'm talking yeah. oh get me on and i'll talk about that as well okay, no, 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 no. We'll but i'm talking about, about you know um cigarette smoke with with msg and all the other chemicals in it plutonium 210 and yet the government taxes that so they make a lot of money from it but they don't stop selling cigarettes when you see thousands upon thousands die every year of this alcohol is a fantastic and cigarettes point. we agree with you on this point. so um you know if one is looking after one's health, please give me a call or mm. you know email me. I'll help you with your diet. No, no, mo no, 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 no. Mus let me tell so, you. The f Muslims will be the first people to be on your side when it comes to things relating to alcohol and cigarettes and the general double standards. Towards. And you're coming up for Ramadan. Yes, and what 100%. is fantastic about fasting? It's just. It is a, you know what do we see? What is in the Ten Commandments? Gluttony. Mm. These people are so concerned. Now people are going to call me fattest. Now I'm not fattest. Mm. Um, I would like to go out there and pig out, but I don't because I know I've had cancer ten years ago. That which you um, overcame. Yeah, because I didn't. It was my personal choice not to do chemo, radio, tamoxifen, zolodex. Even though two, uh, three independent studies said twenty percent survival at two years zero at five. I'm ten years on, and my my. Surgeon will back me on this. Mm. Um, but the point being, um, this is another thing, free will. Um, I, I know that obesity exponentially increases the risk of every disease, including diabetes. And yet we see all these people who are very overweight and they're wearing a mask and terrified of a virus mm -hmm. that has never been purified or isolated. So I think it's terribly sad so you're not frustrated, you're sad for them. No, and also, you know, you talked about their, um, about, um, it wasn't the word you used, but, but about conforming. Mm. Yeah, yeah, relying on instructions for Yeah, and, you know, how many people have taken instructions for things that are wrong and they've gone ahead with it, even though there is, there is absolute evidence to refute what you're being told should we just blindly take instructions are we not also told to question 100 percent. so so for me i will question when i see something that is incorrect and i will certainly then try and inform my brothers and sisters in christ my muslim brothers and sisters i will try and inform you but um this is exactly why i spoke out in the first place and you know when when we are when we are given information, or for me, when that information came to me through my, my ex-husband's research, through many ways to follow a more natural path, and I'm still here 10 years on, God willing, um, I hope I'm here another 10 years' time, then I have a duty to give something back. Mm -hmm. Look, you know, there's a verse in the Quran where Allah tells us, He tells uh, mankind, look at the alteration of the night and day surely these are signs for men of understanding so muslim don't have a issue with not conforming or blind conforming yes. yeah 
we will question uh especially when it's it encouraged to it's encouraged inquisitive, inquisitive to probe to explore to 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 reflect to ponder question uh, and even there is a principle in islam where when news comes to you if it comes from a wrongdoer verify the news so if we know that news is coming from a government that has the blood of muslims on their hand has waged illegal wars and occupied the muslim lands lied been treacherous stolen and and Ooh, uh, i think i know that one and broken laws and broken the very laws that they've imposed on the public they've broken those laws themselves in the echelons of power you we should absolutely scrutinize and question them but i will posit back to you there was a moment or at least you were accused of venting at nhs nurses this is one of the accusations that was levied against you. you you accused them please correct me if i'm wrong but the re- media reports was that you accused them of being killers and murderers or something along those lines these were hard working nurses just doing their jobs cape there's one thing being inqu- inquisitive or questioning the truth or scrutinizing what's deemed as authoritative truth which I said that we should encourage doing. What did those poor nurses do to tick you off? Well, first of all, please show me the evidence where I said... Did you hear about those accusations well, against you? I did, you? Yeah. but there's a reason why I wasn't arrested, because I didn't say them. Mm. Now, first of all... In where the, were they born from? In, where the, they in the Second World War, mm-hmm. um, there were eight tons of evidence and 900 pages of evidence at the medical trials at Nuremberg. Mm -hmm. And the nurses and doctors stood trial for using experimental vaccines and treatments on prisoners. Mm -hmm. And at those trials, if you read the testimonies of those nurses and doctors who stood trial, it's not my word, it's under Rome statute, and I've read them. If you read, it's very, very sad. Those nurses stood trial, some of them went to prison, some of them went to prison for life, and some of them were hung. And that's a very sad day, because when you read it, they said they were just doing their jobs. They didn't want to upset their bosses. They had families to feed. Now, one nurse was arrested, um, I think, 30 years later for the murder. Mm -hmm. She was found guilty of murdering over 5,000 children. And we know from those times that uh, the disabled children were killed and adults, Jehovah's Witnesses, gypsies, the Jewish people. Uh, blacks, homosexuals, Christians. So these these trials went on and Nuremberg came for a reason so that it shouldn't happen again. Now, a lot of nurses then started to give um, testimonies and they did it with their identities concealed. And mm-hmm. one nurse actually stated on UK Column News she knew what she was doing was wrong and that she would probably face trial at another Nuremberg but nurses started to come out and tell what they were seeing. Well, unfortunately, under Rome statute, when you stand trial for these things, you don't have anyone behind you. And nurses, in their code of conduct, the NMC, the Nursing and Midwifery Council, which I would just like to add, was taken over by the government in 2001. Mm-hmm. So there's a conflict of interest right there. But you are told you must advocate for your patient. So what does that mean? Their well-being, the best. You stand for your patient first. You don't follow government diktat. And doesn't that apply to doctors as it well? It does, the yeah. GMC, but I'm yeah. only speaking as a nurse here. I'm saying the principle of advocating for your patient. Advocate first and foremost for your patient. It's okay. in your code of conduct. Mm-hmm. So no matter what comes from the top, yeah. government diktat or hospital diktat policies, you must advocate for your patient. And as a nurse, you are accountable for both your acts and your omissions. Mm-hmm. So when you stand in a court of law, you stand alone for your acts and your omissions. So if you see something, 
and you say nothing, you're accountable. So what I actually said was, do not do the government's dirty work. Do not do this. So I began to, I have had lots of nurses come to me as whistleblowers. I've been told some very harrowing things. Mm -hmm. I've wept. I've had relatives come to me. I've had patients come to me. I have a big... Like what? What have they been telling you? Uh, well, I have a big pile of patient notes. What made you moment. cry? Um, I've cried at the fact that disabled young adults um, have been vaccinated, injected, I should say, with this experimental, untested, unlicensed, uninsured mm -hmm. bioengineering, and that they don't understand it, and that their own relatives have had their power of attorney removed from them. I've wept about the children in care because they've been deceived once in their lives and then are being deceived again for the final time. Um, I've known patients where they're, and disabled patients where they're on a do not resuscitate list. Mm. On the 29th of April 2020, um, when someone is injured or sick, they're graded from one to nine. And um, patients that were critical frailty score six through nine, nine would be terminally ill. Six would be you might have a stroke, you might be blind, you might need help with shopping, washing and dressing. It, on the 29th of April 2020, those, those patients, if they couldn't reach their own desired life goals and they were sick, mm -hmm. they could have all food, water and essential medication taken away from them. Is this, for me, this is a licence to kill. L That's not what I went into nursing for. So just going back, let me answer. Please afford me the time just to answer. Of course. I never said anything about nurses what i said is you are accountable for your acts and omissions do not do the government's dirty work there was a time in history when doctors and nurses stood trial at nuremberg do you think that when these nurses were doing their job now there is a very famous video it's on youtube and it's called uh, the killing nurses of the third reich mm -hmm. now when these nurses were um, the disabled children and adults were coming in and they, they lost their lives, these patients did. They were either had their food and water removed or they were given a cocktail of drugs to, to kill them or they were died of exposure. Now, some of the nurses didn't want to do it, so they were moved to other areas and some of the nurses did it. They believed that what they were doing was right. They were following that regime. Mm -hmm. They believed it was right. There will be nurses, I know this, nurses from today, they believed when it all started that they were doing the right thing. And I've had a senior, a very senior paediatric nurse, you know, she videoed an empty waiting room. She's told me about the kids coming through and what's happening. There are nurses now that they, they, they can see what's going on. I said to these nurses, do not do the government's dirty work. Do not do it. Because one thing, what does history teach us? They always look for the fall guy. Wouldn't it be fair to say at least, and they'd have to know that the, what the government's doing is dirty in the first place, to do their dirty work. To know that it's dirty and it's wrong, they'd have to know that it's wrong Absolute, or something. Absolutely, but you know, it's in, uh, Sun Tzu, the art of war, you don't fight the entire war, it's individual small battles. Mm -hmm. So if you're a nurse, then we have to go back again to that, your code of conduct. Doctors first do no harm. They don't follow the Hippocratic Oath anymore. They follow the General Medical Council, a mm. list. But nurses, you advocate for your patient. So please tell me where you think it's correct to remove all essential medication, food and water from somebody. That's not God's will. And where is it correct to not allow loved ones in to see 
their relative in their final moments because we know that the last sense that goes is your hearing. So why should our elderly die alone in a room without their loved ones? And also, um, <clears throat> it's been shown scientific scientifically that what we're not just physical, we have emotional and spiritual um, beliefs and these things must be addressed as well. So if you remove someone's loved ones from around them, you've heard of the will to live. People mm. lose their will to will live. live. 100%. And, and also in your faith, in your faith, in the Muslim faith, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't want to offend anyone, mm. you're supposed to be surrounded by your loved ones and then in your 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 time of death, you're prayed over so that all of those spirits can leave you. Then you're washed by someone of your faith, clothed in three layers, mm -hmm. and then you will you will go on from there to paradise. Well, you know, for these things not to be done, that's very that's pivotal for your faith. Well, these are all being removed. So a nurse has a duty of care to advocate for that patient, and it's not just physical. It's for all their emotional needs, mm. their spiritual needs, their psychological needs, and that includes bringing their family in. And this was not this was not done. I mean, just just you're you're mostly correct uh, about the Muslim position. And yes, uh, the person who's uh, on their deathbed uh, should be surrounded by good people. Remind, and encouraged to remember in, God, and, and, remind and God and repent and things repent like that. And, 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 to and have that opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And, and to testify that there's one God and, and Prophet Muhammad is a final messenger and all them kind of things. And yes, we hope that once we're six feet under, that our time in the grave is a good positive one with the end and hopeful objective of remaining paradise for eternity. However, let's, I'm glad we've gone into the vaccine. May I just intervene there? Go on, go, go for it. You've just said six feet under. Well, here's another thing. Um, I didn't literally mean six feet under. I mean, I but, meant but the term. But in your faith, you, you get buried. And yet they were saying everyone had to be cremated. I, we, 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 the Muslims fought against that. Absolutely. Hard. But you see, I know I had uh, a Muslim come to me. Very, we fought against very that Very high hard. up from a mosque. Yeah. And... He had uh, three people, one that died of cancer, one that died, I believe, of heart, uh, heart problems and diabetes, and one that just died of old age. And they were asked... We would never accept that. They were Muslims asked, would never accept that. They were asked to never. have uh, COVID-19 put on the death certificate and told that they would get the bodies back quickly. Yeah. Whereas if they didn't, it would be six weeks. <laughs> Look, let's just... First, let's clarify. You've not been injected, have you? Absolutely not. Um, and... Will you ever be injected for anything? When I uh, was a child, I had vaccinations. Mm -hmm. When I went into nursing, I had vaccinations. When I joined British Airways, I had vaccinations. And when I had my children, I had them vaccinated. And all of that was through uh, my parents' ignorance. And I, I love my, my parents. Um, they didn't know. And I was a parent. I am a parent. And I had my children done through ignorance. God decided that I would have a tap on the shoulder. I had cancer mm -hmm. and that was a turning point for me and I will not ever have any vaccination because I don't need it. We have an immunity and you cannot mess with God's creation. So I wouldn't ever advocate any vaccination because I would just like to say, and please, if, if anyone out there wants to say I'm incorrect, 
take me to court. Let's get it all on the table. No vaccine has ever been proven safe. No vaccine has ever been proven effective. And no two vaccines have ever been tested for their efficacy. And a doctor who sits at the Federal Drug Administration has just actually said the only way that they can know the effects of these new injections is by giving them to the public. And that's like any previous vaccinations he's actually stated that on record so if i'm if, if i'm able to just push back a tad kate yeah you know we had the uh, which major vaccines do you have to have you have to have meningitis uh, uh hepatitis bcg you mean as yeah. a child? Yeah, I'm talking about uh, measles, everyone always talks about um, the measles vaccine. Let's, let's talk about let's talk about the major. Please, uh, me, let's talk about measles because it's the one that everyone always throws in. MMR for children. Cool. You're a father. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay, so people always say to me, "Well, you know, vaccines have stopped measles," and I say, "Okay, let's look at that." Between 1900 and 1961, the symptoms that we refer to of as, as measles, we refer to it as measles, mm-hmm. was eradicated by 98%. Some countries were reporting, some governments, 99.3% eradication. So one could hypothesise if between 1900 and 1961 it was eradicated by up to 99.3%, on that trajectory you could get that to 100%. The vaccine didn't come in until 1963. So between 1900 and 1961... So what happened to the percentage? What happened? What happened between 1900 and 1961? Better sanitation, better living conditions, better food, better basic medical care. Where do we see the symptoms that we refer to as measles coming? Where you have war, where you have natural disasters, where you have overcrowding and poor sanitation. Mm. So where do we see outbreaks of measles? We see it in communities where they've given this injection, this vaccine. How can you conclusively say that, Kate? Because I've read all the studies. And there are endless, endless science papers to prove this. So I will say this with 100% absolute confidence that 1900 to 1961... 98%, 98%, some governments reporting 99.3%. It's to do with measles, yeah? And the measles vaccine didn't mm. come in till 1963. If, vac- if vaccinations, whether it's the common cold or flu or meningitis... Well, virus. Or wh- whatever... You can't... <laughs> but you said you wouldn't be injected with anything, you said. No, not now. Okay, so, so, so now I can... Based on that, I can <laughs> present to you all the vaccinations that exist. Yeah. Because you're saying now... You wouldn't have any of them? I wouldn't. And you wouldn't advocate for people to have any of them? No, I wouldn't. Okay, so on that basis, people who have taken those vaccinations and continue to take those vaccinations, um, we just had our girls vaccinated mm-hmm. as well, right? That makes me very sad. But here, 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 pray for them. Here, here, us out, here us out first. Um, my wife did not take the COVID vaccine during her pregnancy um, because she had uh, a level of scepticism around it. Um, we're having to take these vaccines now to go to pilgrimage. We can't enter Hajj or Makkah or Medina without these vaccinations. So Muslims are having to make difficult uh, uh, choices, right? So the point I'm trying to make to you is that the vast majority of people throughout the decades, throughout the 20th century and well into the 21st century, are, can we at least agree that most people are taking vaccines of various natures? Can we agree on that much? I'm not sure it's... Ne- In Britain, let's talk about Britain then. Well, well, what, you, what you're talking about here is... Um, let, let's, talk, let's take it a little bit wider. 
I'm, I've taken it as wide as possible. Okay, so look, cancer, you, you, cancer you, in you, the UK. You've said to me that you will not be injected again no, for I anything. Won't. And you've just said to me that you don't encourage or advocate for anyone to be injected. I, I think it's, I think... I'm even using your terms, yeah, here, by the I way. I think one of the most important things is true informed consent. Okay. If you don't make a true informed consent in a court of law, if you've not given someone all the information and they've made a decision to have something, and let's, let's say that someone has an injection and that the person injecting says, it's completely safe, no, nothing can happen. And let's say that person goes blind. That's never administratively practical. That, you just won't be able to do that. Well, that that, uh, can't, no, that no, level I dis- That is what you're supposed to do. So in a court of law then... To 100,000 people. If you've not gained true informed consent and something happens to that patient mm-hmm. and they take you through the courts mm-hmm. and you've not given them a true informed consent... You can now be found guilty, charged and found guilty of medical battery. Has anyone? Has that ever happened yes, to anyone? Of course it has, yeah. That's why that law is there. Okay. So this is what consent is. In order to make a consent, what is consent? It's, you know, putting up your sleeve, nodding your head. So you have to be told when you... You know, when you're purchasing something, okay, I just, I just changed, you know, I, I wanted to change for my Wi-Fi. And, um, so they have to read you all the terms and conditions. That's mm-hmm. right. And you say, yes, yes, you're consenting to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the same with medicine. You're consenting to what you're being done. So you have a, when you're doing any medical treatment, you have a duty to tell somebody what could happen. What could happen to you if you have this? It's like when you go for an operation. If you go for an operation, the anaesthetist has to tell you and you sign your consent. And like if you're having any operation, you have to be told what, what could happen. The worst case scenario. Yeah, you have to be told. Yeah, the, yeah. the success rate. Because, of the well, so, let's, so you you've both had babies. Amniocentesis, you know, where they put a needle in and they take out some of the fluid from around the baby. If you know, for for women that are older, and they do this because they want to make sure that there's no genetic problems with That's the child. Right. Yes. Now they have to tell you that there is a risk that you could spontaneously abort mm-hmm. your child after having this. Yes. So you have to weigh up whether you're prepared to take that risk. Now, yes. some, some people are I, I wasn't prepared to take that risk. Are you saying that's the right way of getting consent? Are well, you, you have to... No, I'm saying that in order to make a consent, you have to know all of the information. You have to be offered Now, for your wife, your wife was sceptical to have the COVID uh, injection while she was pregnant. Yeah. And there was one study that has now shown that four out of five pregnancies that received these experimental, untested, unlicensed, uninsured injections before 20 weeks gestation, before 20 weeks of pregnancy, they lost their babies. Four out of five pregnancies. So I'm glad to hear that your wife didn't have it and she went on to carry your daughter and deliver her. There's also, there's, there's also um, you know, research to say that those women who were pregnant who refused to take the vaccine also felt seriously unwell and also in many cases their children died as well. Show me that research. Show me the research that you just cited. Well, there it is. It is a peer-reviewed study, and I will get it to you. I will get you it to you. You can put the link up. Okay. But uh, you know, we're advised not to drink alcohol when we're pregnant. Mm-hmm. We're advised not to smoke when we're pregnant. Now, as a nurse, I and I trained and qualified as a nurse mm-hmm. thirty-six years ago. I began my training, trained and qualified as an independent nurse prescriber, which mm-hmm. means I've gone through university. Mm-hmm. And I know about pharmaceutical drugs. Top three causes of death in the UK are heart disease, cancer, and pharmaceutical medication. So they're very dangerous, those three things. So I know 
that when a woman is pregnant, we were always taught you had to be very careful any drugs that you gave to that pregnant woman. Why? Because it goes to the baby. 100%. Mm-hmm. So why would we then inject something that they now know? So, so may, I, it, may, may I just tell something really simple? for? Because I did this as a little video and I noticed everyone shared it and it had several hundred thousand views. Mm. And what, pe- what happens to the layperson is they get bogged down with science. So let's just put it in a really simple term here. Um, inside our nucleus of our cells, we have our own messenger RNA. We have 10 billion miles of DNA in one genome sequence, double helix strand. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, 10 billion me. miles from the creator. Yeah, yeah. That's your binary code. Your, that's who you are, your two eyes, your nose, why you guys are dark, why I'm blonde, well, was blonde once. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, a little bit of help. Yeah. Um, but if you take out one piece of DNA and you put a piece in where it shouldn't be or you translocate... You take a piece out and put it over here. That completely changes who you are from the creator. So that's... But it's, it's allowed to preserve life. You're, allowed, you're allowed to do but those it's things it's changing too. you. Now, your messenger RNA is a beautiful reverse photocopy of your DNA. So when you need to make a protein, it comes out of your nucleus, goes into your intercellular fluid, makes a protein, and then your enzymes destroy it as the creator intended. Kate, you did say that people get bogged down with science and this is, it's become incredibly re- scientific. I'm going to make this really simple. They're coming in and they're injecting you into your deltoid muscle mm-hmm. with messenger RNA. And it's going to then, they tell you it's going to stay in your arm. But autopsy studies are now showing that up to 17 months later, they're finding these spike proteins in the lymph nodes. So it's not staying in your arm. It's going into your blood. Your blood goes all the way around your body every three minutes, going into the cells in the walls of your blood vessels, and it's starting to make spike proteins that stick out. This is linked to the article that you sent me, the MDPI one, isn't it? Intracellular reverse transcription of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. This is the one that was written by... uh, Oh, there's so many now. Stephen Malnick, but the one that you initially contacted. There's about, I mean, there's a thousand now Mm. studies now on the adverse events of the injections. But but people, you know, it's... What people have to remember is these spike proteins being made in the cells. They're wrapped in a little fat parcel to hide it from your enzymes. And when they... They don't know if these are going to switch off. A lot of people are going to be watching this. I'm like, you know what? What Kate's saying... Are these these vaccines saving Mm. lives? No, I don't believe they are, no. I are, 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 they, are they reducing the likelihood of serious illness and death or hospi- and hospitalisation? No, because we now know that countries that have had the highest injection rates like Israel and Australia, mm. and I can't remember another... I was just reading another country on the way in. Uh, is it North Korea? Mm. So, uh, they've just... It was, uh, they've got the highest rate. The one with King Jong... Mm. I yeah, could, uh, I, I couldn't you're not give, allowed to go I there. I They've couldn't got, give a rat's. How many vaccines lead to mad things in Israel? Quite frankly, They've, uh, I know. Please forgive me for mentioning that. No, I don't no, want no, 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 to offend anyone. No, no, no but I'm just making it clear. That, quite frankly, I don't care what happens in Israel. Yeah, and and and, and you know you're. Quite, and I didn't want to offend anyone by that's saying fine. that, but I'm just stating no, no, that's that fine. No, no. they've got the highest injection rates, and yet they're now stating they've got the highest COVID rates. Now I know that the nurses are telling me. That mm-hmm. they're, they're colleagues that had the injections. And don't forget, all of these injections are not the same, depending on what batch you got, yeah. was how many you got, this messenger RNA. And so uh, they're seeing the highest rates of hospital admissions. 
That's then, what they're but, seeing. But, but then you've got Boris and the lads telling us... Who? Boris and Who? the lads. I'm not recognising that name. But he, he, him and, te- and, 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 the, and also hospital staff and directors and CEOs, and they're, they're telling us, look, the NHS has, as far as we've, we've been told, the NHS look, 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 has... Look, look, look how you're making us talk now. The Kate. NHS has experienced a significant relief in terms of hospitalisation and ICU and people on ventilators and death from COVID-19. But since, mainly hospitalisation. Mainly hospitalisation since the relief, since the rollout right. of the uh, immunisation and vaccination campaign for COVID-19. Who told you that? The, the government told me that. Oh, they're... Oh, Public right. Health England told oh, me that. Oh, those gangsters. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so let's just talk about that for a minute. So the NHS, stay home, protect the NHS. We're told it's the envy of the world. Are we not? Yep. Okay. So if it's the envy of the world, how come no other country emulates our NHS? But people hang don't... Hang on, hang on. No other country emulates the NHS. If we look at treatment outcomes, mm-hmm. survival rates, mm-hmm. treatment times, we rank, the NHS ranks in the lowest third in the world. We rank on a par with an Eastern Bloc country. We're told we're the envy of the world, but no other country emulates it. And we're now told that our um, contributions to the NHS are going to go up. It's this sacred cow that no one can slaughter. There's no free market here. I hear that. We should be, no, we we should be taking that. a new system that is like Belgium or Switzerland. Instead, we're told, oh, but it might be like America where you can go medically bankrupt. No, we don't need to do it like America. We have Saji Javid up there telling us he's, the, he, he's, he's a banker but look no nowhere in history and politics did we ever have a banker as um our health, health you know, secretary yeah state. health secretary so um I, I i find it difficult to even say you better you better watch out because i've just been voted in to stand for a new party the english constitution party oh really yes Almost, oh, really what, what, what? uh but uh, they're, they're a new party. It doesn't matter, you know, whether, you, you know, we all know what Winston Churchill was. Another one we're not allowed to mention of all his does, tactics. Do, does, does your new, newly formed party... It's not my party. Okay, well, the party that you're going to stand for, does it? what's your views on foreign policy in the Muslim world? Well, I think you know what my... Now, I want to know about policy, your party, because you, you, know, might, you, you might have our support depending on what your answer is. Well, I, I'm English. Okay. I'm English, and the laws here are based on God's laws. Um... I, well, at least they, they claim it to be. They should be. They claim it they to be. They do claim it to be. But, yeah. you know, like the Queen was forbidden to... Um, do, you well, think the, do you think the Queen got vexed? Oh, come on. What? I'm, I'm being serious. No, I don't believe any of them did. Okay. I don't believe any of them did. Um, it's do as I say, not as I do. Okay. Um, you know, all of them... Let's just remember here that uh, Bojo and co mm. were having parties yeah, when people were not allowed to visit their loved ones who were dying. And if you're telling me that MI5... They were in the garden. If mm-hmm. you're telling me that MI5 and the Met Police who handle all their security weren't standing outside while they were having their parties, or the fact that we had Kate Middleton uh, on Clapham Common with the Sarah of Everard vigil, you're not telling me that her security... What she just said... I'm just popping out, lads. Follow me. Um, they would have known that she was going to be visiting that. Just a Sky News or, arrived. Or D-Day celebrations. Uh, yeah, so 
you know, the Met Police and MI5 knew that they were doing all these things. But, oh, oh, hang on a minute. We want to make sure you're looking over here while we shaft you up the ass over here. So we'll just leak it now that they had parties mm-hmm. um, when we want to distract and you. And then blame Muslims for, for the spread of many because we wanted to pray or we wanted to pray in public. Well, and all of a sudden, Muslims, at least in the well, north... We lived in cramped homes. We lived in cramped homes. No, no, no. Th- we like to visit no, 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 Kate, this happened. And you can... And, and also, Muslim families because you know how to live and you know family values and sadly um unfortunately in this country people have lost that that's why they're all crying about the nursing homes you know oh our, our elderly were murdered in the nursing homes using morphine and midazolam why are our elderly in nursing homes 100 you don't see a lot of the asian community in nursing homes because they look after their elderly i shall tell you something very sad as well it was something that was the irish and the italians used to do this but even to see them now sticking their elderly in, in homes. The mothers that bore them for nine months and raised them and fed them and, Today is and sustained Day. them. Yeah, and, and sustained them for all their lives. That you put them in a home, in an LDM under the care of God knows who, and then you complain about their situation afterwards. I find Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, this is in the Bible about, uh-huh. and look where we are now. You're supposed 100%. to honour. 100%. Honour your parents. But yeah, so, you know, for when you say... We're supposed to listen to these people. So now we've had this conversation. I saw that Tony Blair had raised his ugly head. (laughs) And we saw over 2 million people on the streets against the Gulf War. Mm -hmm. And how many non-combatant, innocent men, women and children were murdered there? A million at least. 2 million. Mm. Um, And that's not including, you know... Both the combatants as well on both sides who were fighting for what they believed in. And I'm not going to get into all that because I already had one big row with a Marine. Um, but now we've got, uh, you know, doc- poor Dr. David Kelly and the weapons of mass destruction. And you actually, just bringing this back, you did actually make me really think, Dilly, a long time ago, two, almost two years ago. Because you talked about um, l- the loss of civil liberties. Mm. I do remember... Because that was because about the civil liberties, and you yeah. talked about how Muslims had been persecuted for over a hundred years, and you probably don't realise, but in all my speeches after that, I quoted what I, you said. I know you did. I know you did. Because it embarrassed me. No, no. Because I, I guess the point I was trying to make is that Muslims don't need to be told about state no, oppression. They don't. <laughs> we don't need to be told about state security and state surveillance. That's we don't. Every day. We don't need to be told about our civil liberties being taken. We don't. We're not new to the. We're, we're an old, hardened community when it comes to this. So, did you vote for Saddam? Uh, sorry, not Saddam. Did you vote? I actually give him. A, yeah. Did you vote for Sadiq Khan? No, no. I've not, not met any no, Muslim no. who did. Um, many did, but but the, but the whole voting. I'm sure he has his supporters. Yeah, the, the whole voting conversation is different. But I, I guess the point when we first had a conversation two years ago, and you were saying to me, "Look, did he the years ahead?" Which, by the way, our last topic of discussion is surveillance laws. Who profited? Censorship of truth movement figures. I agreed with you at the time. You said to me, Diddy, they're going to introduce new laws, the NHS tracking, you're going to have police knocking on the doors, you're going to have all these kind of laws that are going to prevent protests. And, 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 and they're and, here. Yeah. And I said to you, you don't need to tell us that. Muslims know this. We've had, we already, Muslims already accept that there's a two-tier justice system when it comes to how we are treated and seen by the law. But is it okay to accept it? No, no, no. And we resist and, it. And now if you have, no, if no, you no. notice, every single country around the world, go on to biometric.com. Mm. And look, every country has bought the surveillance technology. Hundred percent. And but is, isn't it the case? So, so, so bringing the podcast to a close, is it not the case that in a capitalist world order, right, 
where the likes of Big Pharma and others make trillions of dollars of profit. Why are we surprised that such a situation as a global pandemic or a global lockdown or a global virus, naturally such people were going to profit in their trillions? Why are we surprised by that? Is that not the case how human civilization? Okay, fine. Postmodern times, not pre-modern, but postmodern times, is it just not the case that big superpowers and global orders are going to profit from these situations? You talk about, it's interesting, you talk about postmodern times, and we know that when we look back on cave walls, they've got paintings of light bulbs, we know that there's, there's structures where they've shown that they've had running water, and they've had flushing toilets i meant the globalization but what aspect i'm saying of it. is how do we know that civilization civilizations have been wiped out and started again and we know we, that europeans have did that europeans yeah, did that in north do america we have to accept and we know that you know like i'm just talking about the bible now the mm. greek translation pharmakia translates mm. witchcraft and sorcery and yes it does do we have to keep accepting now celeste salon taught me something i can't remember if it was the cia or the fbi that did this survey and they said in any situation like this, you'll have 2% that will be active all the time speaking up. And you talked about me being in a truth movement. I'm not. I just look at what it is, find research and speak my truth. I don't follow with anybody. I, I don't. You've been coined that. God is my, that's what I follow. I mm. pray every day. 2% will do something and be, be very active all the time. Six to eight percent will be active maybe one or two times. 90%, even when faced with death, will do nothing. Mm -hmm. They will do nothing because they fear death as well. But it's coming to us all. So um, I... Uh, Are you surprised that the surveillance companies and security companies and, and big pharma and all these big boys, multi-trillion... Are you surprised? Why should we be surprised that they profited from the situation over two, three years? It was years? an inevitability. Why, why should I be surprised? Well, I'm not surprised because I, you know, when I got cancer, I've been speaking out against oncology, which right. makes over $600 billion in profit every year. So if you mm. make over $600 billion in profit on people having cancer and having the drugs, they're not going to be looking for a cure, are they? And uh, they're going to want you sick because they want to make... But you know what? This is about who is your master? Who's your master? It's Al Allah. Al Allah is our master. Exactly. And the Prophet Muhammad is the best of examples for us. And who is my so master? The God. God of the Prophets. So, who is their master? Money. Mm. And what is the root of all evil? One of them is money. Exactly. What, so, yeah. ultimately, and it's a good point to end on, ultimately, doesn't matter how rich they think they are, very mm. rich people mm -hmm. get depressed and commit suicide. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter how rich you are very rich people get sick and die with disease that they can't heal ultimately we all stand in judgement for what we do in this life and that's who I fear have I done enough when I'm here now mm -hmm. I'm going to stand in judgement definitely in this life but I can absolutely 100% say I'm going to stand in judgement in the next life so it's all about did I do enough when I was here so if, if money is my master, I'm going to get into a whole lot of trouble. And it's really not my master. I lost a lot of my business. I got ridiculed. I've had death threats. The police printed my address. So kind of them. Mm. Um, my government loves me not. Um, you know, I, I, I've been in prison. I've faced charges. I've been convicted. Um, you know what? I'm still not going to shut up because the truth is there. And ultimately, I will stand in judgment, and that is what I'm fearful of. I'm going to... Did you want to say something? I was just going to say, Kate, um, 
you, you mentioned before, I think it might have been off the podcast, that you know, you've had many friends that have given you the Quran, English translations of the Quran. Have. Have, you, have you read it? I've started to read it, I have. I have very good Muslim friends. And when I was supposed to go to court, and I'm not stepping foot in their corrupt system, and I didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't come with a warrant. And I do have a retrial. Um, I gave enough evidence there as to why I shouldn't go on trial. It was actually Muslims that helped me and Muslim lawyers. And it was those who helped me and we put scripture on it and they gave me prayers to follow. And... um, you do know that we pray for your guidance to Islam. You know that, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, I do now. Yeah, well, Thank well, you. Yeah, and uh, we pray to Allah that, inshallah, you know, Allah guides you to Islam. I, I, I mean, I don't think that your beliefs are far off. I think we practically believe in many similar things. And I think you will benefit hugely. From and I think it's a proud moment to actually to explain that when two people or three people in this case have... Uh, strong connections and strong values and principles and religious spiritual beliefs um, inviting you to our faith which is the most beloved thing to us and the most valuable thing to us um, should absolutely be seen as something um, of respect that we're affording uh, yeah. to you uh, respect and I don't take it any less yeah. than that it's very humbling one last question I did want to ask you this but I just want you to know that when me and Aki thank you very much, and that's very uh, and that's very uh, humbly. Um, it's very humbling. I've met some. I know you have Muslim wonderful, allies. Wonderful, wonderful pardon. I know you have many Muslim allies. I, I do, I, I, and I, it's very. I know you've been exposed to the faith. I'm just saying, me and Aki, are just my saying, my son is a Muslim. Muslim, of course, and we're just saying to you, as your whether you want to see us as sons or brothers. My brothers. We want the best for you that we want for ourselves. And so we invite you to, to to continue looking into Islam and that hope that before we part, then inshallah, you accept it. I mean, inshallah. But on a last Thank question, you. last question. You said about all these challenges and these difficulties and these obstacles that you have faced, you know, business, financial, from the authorities, from the police, from the government and so forth. I would present this to you as the concluding question. They would argue we would have to censor people like Kate Shamarani because letting her do what she wants, as she wants, when she wants, without any reprimand, she's going to endanger life. And states and authorities have the permission when they have to do a balance, um, balance harm and benefit, they have to make a judgment call when it comes to censoring people who they feel will further endanger lives. So I will ask you the last question, and that is, many would argue, I would even say some would watch this podcast and say, how did you let Kate say those things on camera? Some, they will say this. So I'm going to ask you, the argument would be that we need to keep people like Kate off camera, off broadcast, speak as little as possible because she will literally endanger lives. What's your answer to that? My answer to that is, you have free will. And if you wish to go and take a COVID-19 injection, that's up to you. And I would advise you to go and ask them what is in it. Has anyone died from it? Yes, they have. And mounting. What are the long-term, what are the mid-term health effects from having it? Because they don't know. Because it's experimental, it's untested, it's unlicensed and it's uninsured. So... I think for me to say to people, these are questions you must ask, is my duty. It's my duty to do this. And um, if that makes me dangerous, then I would really start to question 
the people that want to shut people up for saying that. Because what they're asking you there is don't ever question. Because if you question, we'll shut you up or lock you up. And when we look back through history at times such as these, and we look at the laws that are changed, they're always the same. You know, they changed the mental health laws. It used to be that you needed three psychiatrists to state that you needed to be sectioned under the Mental Health Act. But the Coronavirus Act came in and they made it one doctor. Well, when you ever have something like that, then you have a real opportunity for malpractice there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have these things in place, three psychiatrists, so that one can't make decisions like that. And um, whenever we shut down free speech, then we're in serious trouble because we're no longer a democracy then. We're not living in a democratic society, if, if one does indeed believe that we live in a democratic society here and that the government... I, I personally believe the government are acting over and above the powers that we, the people, bestowed upon them when we voted them and if you do believe in a true democratic society. So, um, and, and, of course, as we know, our police are civilians in uniform that are there to ensure that they're there to, to work for us. We pay for this as part of our council tax. But they follow the orders of the Home Secretary. They're following, uh, and also, you know, when we go back to the parties, so when we mm. see Boris Johnson having parties, mm-hmm. um, is was he not acting in a way then that was dangerous? Mm-hmm. Was he dragged from his home? Was his home raided? Mm-hmm. Was his laptop, his mobile phones taken? Mm-hmm. Was he placed in custody? Did he stand trial? Certainly no. No. So I think... I think when you say that I'm dangerous, I'm just saying to people, question everything, make up your own mind for yourself, and if you have been given a child from God, if you've been given the most wonderful thing that's a child, Mm -hmm. you have a duty to protect that child, and that also means don't blindly go into it. And to have your child vaccinated without asking the same thing. Because never ever in history have we injected the young to protect the old. Never. It's the wrong way around. Never. Would it be fair to conclude on this? That essentially what you're saying, at the bare minimum what you're saying is, if I can at least take it from what you've said, and from our various conversations that we've had off camera, is that you're just asking people to ask questions. Ask the right questions. Um, be uh, make informed decisions. Do do your own research. Do your own due diligence. Um, while we have the internet, and don't just use Doctor Google because that's you know we know who owns Google. The but, same people. But what do we do about when it comes to trusting experts? Because you'd have a problem with what. Well, who, who are experts? Because that's what I'm trying to well, say. Okay, some of the most educated people I know don't have a single. In fact, mm. let's go back. Um, we talked off camera before we started. Mm. Uh, the Rockefeller Foundation were the ones who, you know, we talk about women's rights. Mm-hmm. And who funded all that? They did. Exactly. Or, or at least they had a big hand And what on. did they do? They took the children, they took the, put the women into work so that they could then tax the other half of the workforce. That made the, the family unstable. Then they put all the children into school. And then they get taught only what the curriculum, the state curriculum, s- says is fact. It doesn't take you long... 
um, you know, when you start digging, and it's all out there in the public domain, you can go and research and look at everything. You can go and look at Winston Churchill. There might be some very unfavourable things that you find out there about, you know, the very first concentration camps. Again, uh, I, again, as as two holes uh, from, from of Bengali heritage, we don't need to be told about Winston Churchill. Exactly. This so is a, this is the man who killed at least three million of our people by he choice. He did, but they they hail that he's a hero. So no, look, he ain't no hero of ours. So and he's not a hero he's of mine no either. But ours. we're not allowed. To, so 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 I put it then to you. Then what if they make it a law that you're not allowed to say that Winston Churchill wasn't a hero, know and what that time they're going to throw is. the Blood Brothers into jail for saying it? How they're dare not, you have a podcast, you naughty bear? Yeah, don't so, know what time so is. So that would be again. You're censoring free speech. I read something in the newspaper, actually, on the way. I don't read that it was. I was actually buying something. I don't buy those comics, I can assure you. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, they are. They're just rag mags. Mm. Um, not even good for chip paper. Uh, but look, you know, when you start censoring free speech, we're on a highway to hell. You should be allowed to, to hear it from both sides. So just do your due diligence. Go and look on PubMed. Go and look in everything. You don't need... You don't... Look, Harold Shipman was an expert. Dr. Harold Shipman was an expert. He was a doctor. Mm -hmm. So many people trusted him and he murdered his patients. So did Beverly Allert. She was a nurse. And she murdered her patients. Um, we can go back through, through many things in history... So should we trust them all the time? No, we should be asking questions all the time. Kate, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you. It was Kate. a pleasure <coughs> to be here. Thank you so much. No, no. And you were so much nicer to me this time, guys. No, that, that was, it's that difficult that. when you're not face to face, you know. It's yeah. 100%. And also we were locked down as well. No, you stressed. were. I was not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were locked up. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. That's locked right yeah. Up. And I got locked up. Yeah. <laughs> But it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you um, very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Our conversation on camera, off camera. Um, and, I, and I genuinely mean this, you know, don't ever think that when you speak to myself or when you've been on with Aki or myself that we're here to kind of just, you know, make you look in a particular... No. But also at the same time expressing the views... The other side. The other side. Because... That's free speech. 100%. Um, and I like your channel. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. And on that note, brothers and sisters, I hope you thoroughly enjoyed today's podcast. Just as a legal disclaimer, because I have to, um, please research everything that has been said during this podcast, whether it's from myself and Aki, whether it's from Kate. Um, please do not break any laws in your countries that will get you into trouble or put you into prison or put you into harm's way. Um, please, uh, whatever decision you make, make an informed decision, right, ask the right questions and Basically, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and preserve you and guide you all and us to what's most pleasing to him. Azza wa jal ameen. And until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was for information purposes only. Assalamu alaikum. Blood Brothers Podcast. Five Pillars Production.